You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. Oh, I've got to start at the right place. Thank you. I want to say thank you to PD for starting us off well and preaching for me on New Year's Day. He not only can keep the beat, but he, he keeps us focused on God to start the new year and really appreciate that. And Stacy Sturgis last week preaching for me. I've heard so many positive things from folks over the last week. I don't know how to take that exactly, but a <laughs> lot of commendations. And so I just want to encourage you. I know you do this. You don't need me to encourage you. But thank those who serve among us. Thank those musicians, our, our worship team, the people that serve everywhere at first. Give them your thanks and appreciation. Because with me getting to be away, it's able to keep one of the axioms I believe about ministers. That ministers should be quiet. No, I'm serious about that. There's times when ministers just need to be quiet. We run out of things that we need to say and we need to, to listen to God. So thank you, Stacy, so much for making that possible. And Chris, uh, excuse me, and PD as well. And maybe my most important thanks is to you, to those who are in here and out there watching, especially if you're brand new to FIRST. And there are a number of you that are here for the very first time. We're glad that you're among us. This is a great group of people. This is a group of people that's seeking to follow Jesus. And so you're in a good place. Feel free to introduce yourself. Uh, you might be introducing yourself to another guest, to another visitor. Uh, we are glad to be able to honor uh, our Lord and to be able to follow Jesus together. 2023, new things are coming to first. What things? Well, today we start the story. We are jumping in to look at the whole story of the Bible, cover to cover, in just 12 weeks. Now, I've had some questions uh, that I've been asked. You know, some of them like, Who, who's the author of this again? Now look, one question I've not gotten is, how much are you making off of this? Trust me, folks, penny per book is about what it is. This, uh, in fact, I tried to get a discount, and the publisher gave a much bigger discount than I could get. So, uh, so it's not about that. It's not about self-promotion. In fact, it's about God and going straight through the Bible, something that I'm very passionate about. Well, another question that I get is, how? How in the world can we do that much? And it is a lot. I mean, in one week, we'll go through the entire Pentateuch. One week, we'll focus in on a specific book. In fact, the scripture that we'll go through will take us 10 weeks, starting next week. And then the very last one in our 12th week will be the whole story in one story. Well, the how is, is because we're looking at big blocks. We're looking at a frame a way of orienting ourselves to this story of God. We're looking at the big character of the story, which is God. Putting our attention on God and worship of God. And the way that I want to do that today is to tell you a story that might mean more to, to the people that are going to Hawaii that were in first service, but it's something that maybe you had a chance to do. Anybody picked up seashells along the beach? I imagine that some of you probably even have a stockpile of seashells from various places that you've been. One of the things that I don't often tell is what this picture is on the front of our book. Some have said, is that bones? What, what is that? That's a stack of seashells. 
I don't know if you've thought much about seashells, but it's, it's great when you, you pick up a seashell and you hold it up to your ear, and what do you hear? The ocean. I mean, it doesn't mean as much whenever we're actually with the beach in our sight line, right? Because it's like, well, I'm actually, I'm hearing the ocean right there. But when you get home, when you're away from that, and you hear the sound of the ocean, you can almost smell the salt. You can almost feel some of the splatters of the water, of being there with your feet in the water. And it brings those memories back. Have you ever wondered how you can hear the ocean? in a seashell? I'm going to tell you more on that later. Perhaps over the holidays you were able to enter into several conversations or maybe had some people in your family intrude into conversations. You know what I'm talking about? Where you're carrying on a conversation and some people come along lately. So like imagine that I'm telling this story about what happened to me on Christmas Eve where I'm up after the Christmas Eve services in my pajamas back here at church. And I'm just telling this story of what happened to me. And then you show up and you say, well, what? What happened to you? And I have to kind of go back. Now, right now, I'm not ready to confess that story to you. <laughs> I will eventually, but not today. But you enter into that story and you're ready to hear what's going to happen. And yet, you're not fully in the loop. Probably more common than picking up seashells is us telling stories common, everyday stories. You probably heard a few. You probably wanted to cut off a few over these holiday breaks. And someone probably looked at you like they'd like you to cut off your story, and maybe you did shrink it down, or maybe you extended it and made it much longer. But we all want a safe place where we can talk about our lives, where someone would actually listen to us and find meaning that what we have to say is matter, it matters, and it not just meaningless. We want to be heard. And yet, a lot of times we have so much input into our lives. We're looking at screens. We're hearing uh, words from streaming music. We're watching streaming videos. We're immersed into video games. And we live in these other worlds. And we kind of get to the end of the day or the end of a week, and we're like, I'm too exhausted. I can't engage a community with someone else. We're too tired. The story that I want to tell is about a stranger who inserted himself into a conversation. Today, we're only looking at one story, one itty-bitty story from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. In this story that I'll read to you in a minute, two disciples of Jesus are walking along. And they're walking along after Jesus' death. It's been a tough weekend. Jesus has been killed not just dying of natural causes, but executed. And they're trying to figure things out. They didn't know anything else to do but to leave town. And a stranger comes in on their story and says, what are you talking about? And they stop, and they look, and they're like, well, are you the only stranger in all of this region that doesn't know what's happened to Jesus of Nazareth? And the stranger says, what things? And they stop, and they look sad, and they look at their shoes, and they begin to relate the story of what had happened. And so now, if you will, stand for a reading of God's Word from Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. Now on that day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. 
While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came up near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, Why are you discussing with each other? What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? And they stood still, looking sad. And then one of them said, whose name was Cleopas, answered, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have taken place on these days? And he asked him, What things? They replied, The things of Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and the leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, on the, it's now the third day since those things took place. Moreover, some of our women, the women in our group, astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning. And when they didn't find his body, they came back and they told us they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This story was personal to them. This wasn't just a nameless face. This was their friend that had died. And I know you've probably been there where you've lost someone dear. You've been surprised by something that happened. Some event that you didn't expect happens. And you're trying to process it. And they're processing the death of their friend, which is Jesus. And the great irony is that Jesus shows up and says, hey, right in the middle of things. It's like a double irony because he not only says, you know, what, what you guys talking about? But they say, you know, about Jesus, and he's standing there in front of them. Now, what's most important for our purposes today is one very simple thing. It's what Jesus doesn't say, what he doesn't do. Do you notice this? I mean, he could say, like I sometimes do, well, yeah, I know. I know the answer to that question. Do you do that when you, when you know the answer? Well, yeah, let me tell you what it is. But Jesus doesn't teach. He doesn't advise. He doesn't suggest. He doesn't whip out a book recommendation. He doesn't offer anything at all. He provides space for them to talk. little note there. When someone's going through something, some kind of hurt, some kind of tragedy or trauma, maybe even just a difficulty, a bump in the road, what's needed is presence, right? We take a cue from Job to be able to just listen and be present. Do you remember Job's friends after he lost like his whole family, his fortune, and they were silent with him for a week? Now don't think about what happened after that week, but for that week, they were just sitting silently with him. That's what's needed when people are going through the fires of this life. Not Jesus the teacher, not Jesus the explainer, not us to provide the answers. And this is a great cue for our group leaders, that there's a great chance for us to listen and give space. Now it's funny and it's ironic that Jesus shows up in this way, but he models for us what it is to listen and to attend, to be fully present in someone else's life. And what that looks like is turning the cell phone, off. Getting our eyes focused into the eyes of another person. Taking down our posters of quotes, our book recommendations, our cliche generating machines that we try to 
spit out something wise in the moment, and to just ask the person the question to share what's happened. Because we're closing our mouths and listening. Now, whenever we talk stories, once upon a time is often how we begin. Now, I don't like to begin stories in my life with once upon a time because then people think I'm telling a fairy tale when it's my life. But once upon a time is a pretty common way to begin. And a lot of times we've written words and probably books and academic articles, I'm sure, I don't know, about that phrase, once upon a time. Whenever we're telling our stories, a lot of times we think of ourselves as the center of the story. Once upon a time there was Brady. And we, we see life entirely from our point of view. Today, what I want to do is something a little different. I want you to entertain this. Five ways of looking at story that I'd like, as we begin this series, to have at the front of our mind. So the first one is this, that every good story begins with someone else. Someone other than us. It's a story that's not about us, that we eventually can see ourselves inside of that person. And in this story, God is the main character. God is the one who is acting. And I know that some of you sitting there and listening online will say, well, I don't really believe in God. A lot of thinking people dismiss the idea of God, and that's okay. A lot of rational reasons why someone might not believe in God. In fact, they look at this world and they think, you know, God, if he's out there, he's kind of a deadbeat dad, He's not one that's really paying attention to what's going on, to all the pain in this life. And, and so they'll say, God's probably invented. We just need this father figure in the sky, this parental figure to, to come in and replace things that we didn't have growing up. Well, here's what I want you to think about. You can have that view about God and still entertain this story in a different way. I want you to imagine a world, if you can, that's bigger than you. Can you do that? A world where you didn't create yourself. Can you do that? Think about a world where you had no choice in the matter of coming into existence. Well, this is kind of sounding like the way life is, right? I just want you to think about that kind of world where you didn't create things, you didn't decide, and you're actually joining something that's in progress. It's a story that's already unfolding, a story that you didn't begin. That's true for all of us. We have a mother and a father, even if we don't know them. Even if they were just human beings that contributed to our DNA, we all have that in our experience. Whether you're from natural sex or a test tube baby or an adopted baby, we all have something that created us that we had nothing to do with at all. And so, what I'm saying is imagining a world where you didn't create yourself, a world where you're dependent, a world where there is something prior to you, a backstory that you're still learning about. And then, if you can accept that, then it's maybe possible that there might be someone or something behind it that caused the Big Bang, that caused the collision, that allowed two people to come together to bring you into existence. Well, that's the first one. Every good story begins with someone else. The second one is maybe more straightforward. Life is full of stories. They're everywhere. 
Your stories, other people's stories. Stories of triumph and pain, of suffering, of difficulty, of great victory. And a lot of times, maybe it's a coping mechanism. We don't live inside of our own story. We live in somebody else's story. We'd much prefer to enter the realm of the video game and act out a story. We'd much rather enter the world of entertainment and be distracted by a great movie where we can be immersed in a world that's not of our creation, or a television show, or whatever it is, a book, and we're immersed in someone else's stories, and ours kind of gets muted. I'm wanting to bring those things together because life is full of stories. Your story has meaning. And so do the stories of other people that you come in contact with. And I'd like to see those stories come together to be shared, where me and you have something of value to share with one another that we wouldn't have if we weren't sharing those stories. Listening to other people's stories can be a very real experience. And I know some people might say, I, I just can't imagine that there's just one story that I'm a part of. And we reject the thought of being written into someone else's story. Well, you're very much in control of your life and what you do with it. It's your story to write. We're just trying to look backwards at the backstory. All right, so we imagine that every good story begins with someone else, that we didn't create ourselves. We're imagining that life is full of stories that connect us together. Three more. The third one is that the Bible tells the story of God. The Bible, main, the main character in the Bible is God, and, and I want us to pay attention to that because it's easy to get distracted by all these books and letters, all these documents, which even though it's bound sometimes in leather or cardboard, is not just one story, but it's like a library. You walk into a room with countless different kinds of documents. Some of them are legal and some of them are poetic and narrative. They're all doing different things. And this, this story is the story of God. Sometimes we get confused and we think, well, it's about Abraham or Sarah. It's about Ruth or Paul or Priscilla or Apollos. And we think that it's about these characters. And it's good to have some real human beings in there because they make mistakes and they screw up just like us. It makes it real. It makes it earthy. But you've got to look past those folks because there's a God behind that story where our stories and theirs are woven together and it's bigger than those people. A God who created all things in the beginning, in Genesis 1, shows up again also in the end of Revelation where God is making all things new. God is present all along. Okay, that's the third one. The fourth one is that this story, this narrative of Scripture, is good news. It's gospel. It's good news. Those are the same word. It's not bad news. In fact, this story is meant to be good news for everyone. If the gospel is not good news for everyone, then it's not good news. Sometimes when I hear Christians tell the story of God, tell the story of the gospel, it sounds like very bad and depressing news. And here's a little tip for you. If you're reading through the story, and you find things that seem like bad news, keep looking. Keep looking for the God behind that story. Keep looking for good news because you may be distracted 
by lives and people who don't want anything to do with what's good. If the gospel is not good news for everyone, it is not good news. And yes, we can get distracted by these humans that have written it, these humans that are in the middle of it, but this is a story about God. And as Christians, if we tell the story and it's all about propositions or things to affirm or church tradition, then we've lost the main character. God's fallen off our radar and we're not seeing the story as we should be. And that story is one that makes ours all the better. That every sunrise that we go through, we realize we're a part of something bigger. Well, the fifth one, the final one. All of us are invited into this story. It's not just something far off that's dusty, a library full of documents that's irrelevant to us. We're included in this. And I know we think about it as being filled with people and words and cultures that are far away from us, but this story is meant to point us into relationship with God right now, where our story is connected with what God is doing and made better. Well, I teased you a little bit with the shells on the front end, and I want to spend some more time talking about those shells. Because I asked you the question of how is it that someone is able to hear the ocean in a shell? And maybe you were thinking about some answers, trying to think scientifically of what, what that might be. How do you hear the ocean? Some people say a lot of different things. Like some people say, well, it's the air moving through the shell, and you're just kind of hearing the air move. That's a good answer. Some people, maybe more biological, will say, well, I think it's the sound of the circulation of your blood or the, in your ear or the sound of your own lungs breathing. That's pretty good too, right? You get it up close and maybe it's just your pulse or maybe it's just the air. Here's the thing. If I put you in a soundproof room with your big shell from the seashore, you wouldn't be able to hear the ocean because there's still air but the sound is gone. And if it was the circulation, it's the same way. You can't hear it in the soundproof room. If it was your circulation, just think about it. You get on the treadmill, you do some work, you grab your seashell. What should happen to the ocean? It should speed up. But it doesn't. So how is it that we're able to hear the ocean in a shell? What most people think is that it's the sound of all the noises that are in a room or in a space that fill up the air and get gathered and are focused whenever we pull that shell up to our ear. And you can do it with a cup. You can do it with your hand. But the sound of a fly buzzing or a fan whirring or a car going by all gather up into this sound, this ambient noise that is focused whenever we're paying attention to it. This is a metaphor for what we're doing. We're going to listen to all the common stories of what happens to you in the middle of the night on Christmas Eve. We're going to pick up these stories of what's going to happen to you this week and share them with one another. And they may not have meaning. They often sometimes don't. But we're going to listen closely to one another for echoes, for the sound of the ocean, for the sound of God at work in our lives, bringing those things together. And the way it'll take place is you could be uh, present here on a Sunday morning and hear sermons. That might just work fine for you. Others are going to add more to be a part of a group that's talking through the stories of life. That's a good thing to do. Another way is for you personally 
to, to grab a book and go through this and to read the chapters. Read the scriptures that are there. In fact, this week's kind of easy because there's not a lot of scripture. But perhaps you've got time and you want to look at this more deeply. So you can look and kind of see what's going on in the book. Look at chapter 1. Look at how things are organized. In chapter 2, in week 2, you'll pick up and you'll have some scriptures that you could read. Something for each day. Actually, only five days. Where if you wanted to read and you've got the time, several chapters, you could do that. Or if you look really closely in the book, there's one chapter that's underlined. And you could say, oh, I'm just going to read that one. If you want one to key in, you can do that. And there'll be two questions for you. One question is a story about what God is doing, how you might see God in this passage. And the other invites you to think about yourself, what's going on in your life. So here's my request. Here's my challenge for you today. Because in this short period of time, you have the chance in just 12 Sundays, no, scratch that, 11 Sundays, to go all the way through the Bible. That's just three months. That's 84 days. It's a chance to where you'll take in not every detail of Scripture. You won't be ready for a college exam. This isn't a survey. But you'll have a sense of the themes and how God is at work and the theology that is behind this story in that period of time. Because this is a process of gathering together not just believers, but non-believers and anti-believers in telling the stories of life. And so I challenge you, I invite you in to such a group. Here's my request. One, I want to invite you to be here. Be here next Sunday. Or log in if you're traveling. Join us for these 11 more weeks. Let this be a part of your story adventure. Second, I'd invite you to join a group. You can get online at firstabq/groups, and you can find one that will work for you. Joining a group means you're doing it not alone. You're doing it with other people. And we even have some groups that are totally online if you want to do that. Third thing might seem like I'm upping it just a bit. You could start a group. And here I'm looking at you even if you're brand new to start a group because all you do is you ask questions. It's not about you having the answers. It's about sometimes the best group leader being an introvert, someone who's just there to answer the question and create the space where other people can talk and see what happens as we look for the echoes of God. Or if I could push you one more further to take this personally and say, how am I going to do this on a daily basis? Not just on Sunday, not just in my group, but personally, how am I going to go through this? Am I going to read those scriptures and ask those questions? That's another way to take it deeper. And you can pick. You can choose your own adventure. If you're going to do all of those or one of those, and it will be something that will bless your life as you learn something practical about how to go through your life. These shells are going to be our metaphor of listening and attending, paying attention to those noises that if we collect them all together, they begin to remind us of something, something bigger at work in the world. That we're not just walking the beaches and paying no attention except to our flip-flops right in front of us, but we're paying attention to the view of the ocean and the mountains and the actual context where we're at. Imagining a world where there are stories being written. There's a plot. There's someone behind this. And hopefully we'll develop maybe this number one skill, a skill of listening. 
listening to our lives, listening to one another, listening to the work of God. And it will take our imagination. It will take us entering this and giving it a try. Finally, Jesus, the one that we follow, our mission statement here at First Christian is what? Follow Jesus. We, we all know this. That wasn't really emphatic, but I bet if I said it again, you probably would be more emphatic. So what is our mission statement? If we follow Jesus in this story, we find that Jesus doesn't function as a teacher, at least at first. He functions as a listener and a question asker and someone who creates space for others to be present and to process what they're going through in life. That is a Lord that I want to follow. Let's pray. Oh God, you are our God and we earnestly seek you. Oftentimes we don't feel you. Many times we might question you. And so, Father, we ask that you will take our lives, that you'll bless us whatever relationship we're in with you, even if we don't believe you're there. Give us some imagination for the next few months as we pay closer attention to our own lives, Pay closer attention to the lives of those that are around us that we love, even strangers. And God, we ask that you open our eyes so that our lives are transformed to be better. Better because we're following Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, aware of who has given this beautiful world its creation. We ask this through Jesus, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.